Sequart presents Judging Dread, 13 essays analyzing 2000 AD's most beloved and reviled character, forward by Matt Smith, interview with Rob Williams, edited by Scott Weatherly. Find out who is the law. Here we go. Well, back for his triumphant return, Dan is back. And and here's the thing about Dan. Everybody, this was here's you think about your life in terms of like milestones. And so when Dan was on a year ago, he was a fledgling podcaster. He was, you know, he was this guy from South London who everybody just was like, listen to him. He sounds like a guy I want to hang out with. He's probably got tons of free time. Now He's 30 podcasts in, and he has a son. No free time. This has been a long time coming. Dan, welcome back. It's been months. We, we tried to do this in March. Yeah. Here we are, having a child. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, free time. What's that? <laughs> it's, like t- it's like telling a child nowadays about um, cassette tapes, and they're like, what's a cassette tape? Like, do you know what yeah, I mean? I know. Well. I do. I actually have one. Would you like? Would you like me to take some pictures of mine so we can send them to the little man? Yeah. There's my less Ooh. than zero cassette right there. That's a banger of a soundtrack. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, I still have some tapes. So no, you're abs- you're absolutely right. Free time. But you you're made. You've made some for me today, so we can talk yes. about this book. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is the most adult book you could pick. So you're like, I'm surrounded by kids all the time. I have a I have a son. Mm-hmm. You're a stay at home parent. Yeah. Which is a joy. And you're like, I need some daddy time. Mm-hmm. And what better than Buzzkill? <laughs> what? So tell everybody a little bit about Buzzkill and how you came to it, because this was your pick. Yeah, this was my pick. So basically, the reason I picked it is because uh, Paul, who's uh, the creator of uh, Superheroes for Dummies on this very network, um, he read it, and I asked him what it was about, and he said, oh, it's about this superhero who gets his powers from uh, alcohol and illicit drugs. And I'm like... So I thought, <laughs> well, right, that seems legit. <laughs> I'll, I'll bite, I'll bite. And um, yeah, so I decided, you know, this is something I want to read and get onto and see see what, it, what it's like. Because it's like, how, how many, like, superior stories do you hear? It's like, you know, guy gets bitten by a radioactive spider, guy gets uh, exposed to gamma rays. No, this guy has illicit drugs and alcohol. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? It's so brilliant. It's such a cool idea. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's it is it's really a tight tight knit story. It's only four issues. It's like a hundred pages. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. So so Paul was like, you should check this out. And you were like, well, damn. Yeah. I need some. I need to. It, it is fascinating, and there is a lot of. And it's interesting though too, because you pick something that has. Um, some father issues going in there oh. as a new dad yourself. Yeah. 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 We'll talk about, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's some father, uh, son issues in there, which I think will be interesting. Cause you know, different, I'll be curious to see as a new dad. And then obviously, you know, and we don't, I don't want this to be a therapy oh, session, no. you know, but I'm curious, like the way that it's, you know, I don't know your relationship with your dad. I've got some thoughts about my relationship with my mm-hmm, dad mm-hmm. and just kind of that whole idea of, of passing it down. So it is a very adult book about a guy who takes illicit drugs to become a superhero, yeah. but it is also, um, you know, it's very touching in some ways too. Yeah. So, 
Uh, I think we've got a lot to talk. about. I think so. I think so. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's just something. Yeah. It's just something so like original. Um, like I said, you have Peter Parker who's bitten by a radioactive spider. You have Bruce Banner who's exposed to gamma rays, and then you have this guy who just takes drugs or has alcohol and turns into this um, superhero. It's kind of like. I don't know why I was while I was reading it. It kind of just reminded me a little bit of like a um, uh, Miracle Man and Shazam and that sort of thing. And I thought that's pretty cool. Well, let's let's jump right in because that is interesting. When we learn, so he calls himself Rumid, but his name is really yeah. Francis. Um, um, because it starts off, he's an AA, and what an interesting way to start a book about a character mm. whose power comes from drugs and alcohol to see him. In AA, so he's trying to cut. He's you know he's trying to, to you know kick the habit yeah. as it were. But we do learn in and this. So I I love that you bring up Shazam and Miracle Man, but specifically I thought about Shazam because his the first time it happens, he's a kid. Mm. He's in he's a freshman yeah, in high yeah, school, yeah. right? And he goes to a party. And now I was a straight edge kid, so we're going to do this. Will be confessional time a little yeah. bit. So I was a straight edge kid, so I didn't drink or smoke or anything until I was mm-hmm. in college. Until I was legal, like I didn't smoke. I did smoke for a while, but not until after I was an adult. And I didn't drink until I turned twenty-one. I was that guy. Yeah. Um, so not to not to you know not to call yourself out, but <laughs> we, how were? But there were a lot of pressure. It's always a lot of pressure yeah, on kids, yeah, yeah. and um, and I just it was just not something I I. I felt altered enough just living in my own headspace. Mm. And um, I had a friend whose dad was an alcoholic. So it was kind of one of those things was like, I'm just going to not do. And I made that choice early on. Like I remember my friend starting to get drunk in like sixth grade. So for us, that's like 12. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, crazy. Right. So I, I look at this story and I just remember a lot of those high school parties where I grew up where there's so much just free flowing booze and you're like, where the fuck, how did everybody get this? So was this, did this ring true for your, cause drinking in England is a little bit different. Like it's like, if you can reach the bar, you can have yeah, a pint. So, yeah. so how, how is it there? Do people drink at high school parties? Was this pretty accurate? Uh, yeah. To, to an extent. Cause like the parties we had, we would like get the beers in and stuff like that. But when I was, until I reached, college that's and then we started going clubbing i was only like 16 17 and you meant to be like 18 to go clubbing but you know um i was growing my beard already um so i you know looked the part um and that's when i like started like drinking drinking like we go clubbing and and stuff like that but before then um yeah i think i've been i've been to a couple house parties but like you like before college i was pretty much like you like straight edge i wasn't into <laughs> drinking and that sort of thing and um because like my mum and my sisters taught me you know this is right this is wrong you know stay in the straight and narrow and this that and the other um uh and then uh, you know unfortunately when i just before i turned 14 my, my mother passed away and, and stuff like that and um but then, like I said, you know, we got to college and we're having these parties, going clubbing and all that. And I see, I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> it's party time. Well, and that's the thing, right, is there's this, and I think it's depicted really well in here, that that first time you do it, no matter what, you have a weird, invincible feeling yeah. for a short period of time. Yeah. And unless you're, like, with people, 
who are going to like shepherd you through mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. The first time you drink, you probably feel terrible the next day. Oh, did I feel terrible? Did I, <laughs> did I feel terrible? I was sick as a dog. Um, and this is like my first time in the nightclub. The next day, my ears were ringing all day. Oh, like, just like, yeah. You're like, oh, I hate techno music. Why is it still in my head? Yeah, yeah. just, just, like, <laughs> just all day, and it, uh, it was horrible. And you know, everyone says, "Oh my god, I'm never drinking again." Well, lo and behold, two weeks later, I'm back. <laughs> right, and, and that's that is so perfect because that's just, except for him, oh, yeah, for yeah. Francis, he waits. He waits until college, oh. until university, mm-hmm. as we say it over here. But he waits and waits. But you know, but he has that experience. So it's like it's such a fascinating story because there's so many. It's so super relatable. No matter how old you are, for he's 14, you're 16. I was 21 the first time I drank. I didn't drink until my 21st birthday because that's when it's legal mm-hmm. here. And and that first time, again, there's like you hit the first one and you're like, oh, oh. what was I missing? I was, and then you're like, I could, and then you know three drinks in you feel like you know you are the incredible hulk and then six <laughs> drinks in and you, it, you it's morning and you don't remember the rest and you're like that that idea of like blackout drunk which is addressed in here a lot i will admit to having done that just a few times in my life i do credit it to the fact that i waited till i was a little bit mm-hmm. older um but i've been there could you relate have you been there have you been to those days where you wake up and you're like oh literally i have no idea what i, I did i've been there yes i yes i have and it's horrible. It's horrible. It's like, cause you remote, you remember like everything in the beginning, little pieces here and there in the middle. And then, yeah, er- the lights go out. You can't see, you need to go to the bathroom, but you can't fucking see where you're going. Cause you're going to stub your toe <laughs> and all that jazz. <laughs> and then it's not, it's bad. It's so bad. Like, and then you get to the next day and then like your friends are calling you and say, Oh, do you, do you remember what you did yesterday? And I'm like, no. And then you cast your mind back in. You're like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So true. And the thing is, we can laugh about it because we've never, we don't have superpowers. So for us, like we can, we can laugh and giggle about it because we didn't have to go through the same things that, that Francis has gone through here because, but so it is this, it's this, this book, I think paint walks this really, fascinating line between jokes and because there's a lot of funny lines yeah, here yeah, yeah. but also the reality of addiction and mm. and how those two things intersect for it being such a heavy book it's still pretty funny yeah did you um did you laugh a lot at it i did like you said you read it twice in a row or not twice in a row but twice before this so yeah, 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 did yeah, you yeah. find how did you find the jokes land? Because you're like, oh, it's a joke about an alcoholic drug addict. It's hysterical. Or it's a movie about an alcoholic drug addict or a book. You're like, this shouldn't be funny. But this is oddly yeah. funny. And I can't figure out what they did to make it funny. Like, I thought, because, like, obviously, like I said, like, Paul told me about it. And he says, oh, yeah, he gets his superpowers from illicit drugs and, and alcohol. And I was thinking, oh, okay, so this is probably going to be a very quirky, very funny um the story but then you read it and then like you s- there are certain instances you can see what the adverse effect of you doing something like having alcohol the adverse effect of it um can be um like for instance um there's the part where like all his supervillains 
have come to like oh his rogues come and get yeah, him yeah yeah they come to to beat the living crap out of him um and he manages to like well his friend eric eric quote unquote eric um yeah <laughs> comes to save him and he's like oh i'm gonna run away and uh, go to the church and he finds the the wine and you, he turns into his his, his hero uh, persona, and you think uh, when you think of a superhero, you think okay, he's just gonna like you know punch him in the face a couple times and this that, and the other. No, he, he's this big ball of rage, and he's like tearing into everyone, and you can just totally like relate that to like real life. Like some people have like different. Um, reactions to alcohol some some people can be very cheery some people can be sad and some people can just be very angry and this is what they went with and with, with like the the anger kind of thing and it's just what, what do you make what do you make to that argument though because you just nailed it there's there's this idea that when you drink there's a there's a line and it was actually in the movie tombstone which is actually how i learned all my latin is from tombstone i think no that that can't be right but i don't know very much latin but there's a line in tombstone that val kilmer's character says he's playing doc holiday and he's hammered and he says in vino veritas which i didn't know what that meant at the time and so of course i wanted to know so i found out it means wine speaks the truth yeah so there's this argument that when you drink not only do you say the truth like people are like oh my god i totally regret what i said i was drunk but whoever you are is super enhanced so yeah. if you're rage full of rage when you're drunk you're full of rage if you're sad like you said mm. or or you're really happy do you think that's true or do you think that that so is does this mean that francis is already full of rage. And so when he drinks, he's unleeching. I love that you said he's like a ball of rage. That's exactly what it is. And some of the art, we'll talk about Jeff's art yeah. as we go, because it's it's glorious, some of the stuff that he does, and really kind of mm-hmm. painful. Like, you know, like pucker, like you pucker up because it looks it looks like that hurt. So when we talk about the art, uh, I, I felt like it really like was bone crunching. Yeah. Um, but do you think that's true? Do you think that that argument about drinking is true? And Because that, that's kind of what they're leaning in here is that, Francis is probably rage-filled, which is why he's this. One. I think so, yeah. Because me myself, when when I'm drunk, like I can talk to anybody. Like I'm super confident. I'm. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm funny. <laughs> um, you are funny though, but you're funny normally. So I would imagine you are a super delight. Yeah. So yeah. you know, that's who I am. Like, and I've read that as well. Like you said, you know, when you're drunk that's meant to be like the real you, but with no filter. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so that argument that people say, it's like, Oh, I was drunk. I didn't mean it. You're like, well, you bloody well meant it. <laughs> <laughs> you bloody well meant it. It's, it's cause it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, say like you, you see your crush that you, you, you couldn't speak to when you're sober, but you know, you have a few drinks and, you know, like your defense, you, you bring your defenses down and the real you comes out and you have that confidence to, you know, walk up to your crush and tell them how you feel. Do you know what I mean? Or you have that, you have that colleague that you, you absolutely hate and you're like, I'm going to tell you how I feel about you. <laughs> it's one of those things oh when God. you're blackout drunk and then your friend goes, oh, do you know what you said to, you know, I don't know, Don last night. You really laid into him. <laughs> yeah, Don, he had it coming. That yeah, asshole. Yeah. No, 
What a dick. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, and I think it's really, it's, it's a, it's such a, an interesting look at that because I really think it's true too. I'm with you. I think, um, you know, when we, yes, you bring your inhibitions down, but then also your personality shines through because in general, it, to live in a society, which we do, I mean, none of us live on, I mean, unless you guys have, when you get said you moved to Southern England, maybe that meant you like bought an, your own private island and you're not surrounded by other people anymore. But in general, we're surrounded by others. And so we have this thing in our brains that says, okay, I can't say that, even though I want to say that, yeah, even though I want to yeah, walk yeah. out there and my <laughs> asshole neighbors with the red hats on, I want to walk right up to them and take their hat and stomp on it and be like, yeah. fuck off with your fucking red hat. But I don't because I live here and I keep that shit in check. But that's also why I don't hang out with them. I'm not going to get drunk and hang out with my neighbors because they don't want to know how I really feel. Yeah, because, yeah, your, your, uh, your true <laughs> feelings will come out. In more, in they don't listen to this, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's super true. It's very true. Um, well, so I find it interesting too that there's a. Um, I keep saying interesting. I need to say a different word. I find it really intriguing. Let me. I'll start over. Let me ask you this question. We learn that no matter what the drug is. Mm-hmm. It affects him differently. So when he's yeah. on caffeine, he can read minds. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. What did you think about that? I liked it a lot because, uh, you know, they, they say uh, like people are like onions. There's different layers to 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 their personality and who they are. I liked it a lot because it's not just oh he takes a drug or and he takes uh he, he drinks like a beer or something like that and he turns into this like six foot five. 300 pound muscly man um he can have something like coffee or he can have something like a, a pepsi or something like that and he'd be able to hear a butterfly flap its wing flap its wings on the uh you know on the air or he'd be able to tell when somebody's lying he can hear the heartbeat and everything like that so that was actually quite also I, I like what they did with it I, th- I thought that was really cool too and as a coffee addict as i am <laughs> having my coffee and my batman mug it it and I, drink, I mean, there was a time I was, I used to smoke, as I said, and you know that is definitely an addictive thing. And I quit that. And that was hard. Um, I, I did quit drinking coffee for a little while, for maybe like a year or so, and then I realized, mm, I, I think I'm, I think I function better on it. Mm-hmm. And so I like tricked myself. I like did all this research where it's like, if you, if you've always had caffeine when you read and think and do things, then your brain is wired to have caffeine in it while it's doing things. So keep drinking it. I'm like, yes, science. Thank you for telling me it's okay to continue to drink as much coffee as I want. And I'll have tea. Like people who are like, oh, I have to cut it out at night. I'm like, I'll downgrade to tea after six, but I'm still drinking it. So, but I, but it's, it's an interesting look at like addiction in general and the way that like the argument I think being made here is that, Maybe we're better people. Like, so we already agree. When you're drunk, you say the truth. Well, if you're on a stimulant, whether it's coffee or nicotine or whatever, maybe you're up a little. It, it gets you through the yeah. day. So is the commentary that Cates is making, and his co-writer is the, the drummer from the band The Toadies, and his name is uh, Mark Resnick. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is the only comic he's ever done. So he's a rock drummer. So I find that really fascinating, and I'd mm-hmm. love to pick your brain about that. But anyway, what do you think of this commentary is about, like, addiction in general? And are you an addict at all? I freely admit I used to smoke. I am a coffee addict. Do, is there is there a thing that you're like, man, I need this to get through? Do you uh, need a coffee first thing in the morning? How do you feel? When, when I used to work in an office, I used to 
like so we had a coffee machine just outside our office and like the the floor landing um so i would have like one in the morning just to you know as a little pick me up to get me going and to like right get me into the into the groove um and then you feel yourself flag a bit and you're like oh need another one because you know i'm not kind of functioning um so there was that and then i you I, like you i used to smoke as well um and there'll be times where like things get you kind of stressed out um so i'd like go for a smoke or something like that um so yeah i think everything everything with with addictions whether it be like all the time i feel sometimes it's just like situational if that makes sense um yeah. No, I think that's true. I think that that's true for some people too. Like if you're right. So, cause you don't work in an office anymore, no. so you don't need to get up and do coffee first no, thing in the morning. No, no, anymore. No, no. Uh, no, no, exactly. Cause I get up with, with, with the little guy and, um, like I change his nappy, I make him a milk and whatever. And then I'll just have like my breakfast or something like that. I don't need necessarily need coffee cause I'm, I'm starting to get used to getting up at like 5am to like do what I need to do with him. And then, you know, get on with my day. So I'm, a, a, I'm always more alert. Um, but obviously, I'm, like, I, I'm, the only thing I'm addicted to at the moment is naps. That's, 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 that's. <laughs> <laughs> right. He naps, you nap. Yeah. That's the rule. Yeah. We, we talked about that right before he was born. I remember saying something. It's like, everybody says it, but it's the advice I got, the best advice you can give to any new parent. And you'll pass it on when somebody has, you were like, listen, mm-hmm. when that kid sleeps, you drop whatever you're doing. Don't be like, oh, I'm going to do dishes. No, no. They will be fine. Collapse immediately in a corner wherever he falls down. You fall down right next to him and just sleep it off. Exactly. Just sleep it off. Just sleep it off. <laughs> it's the, it's the, like most people are like, oh, yeah, I'll just have coffee. It's okay. It'll get me through the day. Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. There's not enough caffeine to outdo having an infant. No. None whatsoever. Whatsoever. Oh, and then when he gets to be three, and he won't take naps, and you're just like, "But Daddy needs a nap. <laughs> you should take a nap." See, that's the thing. That's because you know when you when you're young or when they're young and your first kid, and people don't you don't believe it, but you believe it. So you're smarter than I was because you're like, like you said, I'll do dishes, I'll do clean the house, I'll do whatever because the kid's sleeping, and then you're like, oh. Fuck, I, I really, because yeah. now it's 7.30 and she's not, my kids were girls, aren't going to bed, you know, and I'm exhausted and now I got to, and I have to stay up because she's up. <laughs> Ugh, should have taken a nap. Yeah, for sure. I, feel, I totally agree. But no, I think you're right though, that, that some addictions are situational. It's like, if you were to go back to work in an office, you'd probably fall right back into that. It's like, mm-hmm. you're in a situation and you're there. And I think, I think that's a, I think that's a great point that, that sometimes it's the environment that we're in that kind of causes the thing. Cause that's what happens with, with Francis. He's in high school. He's at this party, he drinks, and then he stays away from everybody. And then he goes to university and he rushes a fraternity and yeah. they, um, they put him in a truck with a loose keg oh. and they make him drink it all. And of course he again succumbs to the peer pressure because it's the, it's the environment that you're mm-hmm. in where it's like, it's hard. It, I think there's a real interesting conversation about it. It's hard to say, no to things um you know it's hard to say no like well everybody here is having a coffee at work so i should too i I don't want to be a weirdo or whatever right yeah no exactly like um so i used to work for ikea uh back in 2011 um at that point no yeah so i 
I've been smoking before that, beforehand, but then I had stopped. Um, but the two people that I worked with in the specific department I was in, they were smokers. So whenever they went for a smoke, they'd be like, oh, yeah, if you get on with this, we're just going to go out for a cigarette and we'll come right back. And I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. Why am I doing this like a chump? And you guys get to go out and have a cigarette. So it's like, I'm coming too. What? <laughs> it's, it, that's so funny. You're right, because it is. The non-smokers always do more work in a day yeah. than the smokers do. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Having been on both sides of that divide, you're 100% right. So it was easy because you had already smoked. So it wasn't like you're like, I'm going to take up smoking. You knew. You knew that. And plus you – and then when you quit there, did that – was that when you left Ikea, was it then easier to quit again? Um, No, I was still smoking after that. Um, It wasn't until probably – I'm trying to think now. Probably a year, two years ago, um, me and my wife decided, like, we're just going to quit. Um, and that's going to be done and done. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, I cannot remember the last time I had a cigarette. So that's pretty good. So hopefully that's within the, like the year mark. Um, so nice. Well, you guys have the little man now. So now you're like having him really helped. I'm sure I did smoke after I had my kids, but I didn't, you know, I didn't like smoke in their face or anything, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's still such a weird thing how your brain Addiction's weird. And this is such a fascinating look at addiction, this book, because, um, you know, he, it gives him power or it gives him, like, it's not perceived power. Mm. Like, that's the commentary, right? Is that we all, like, your, it gave, like, smoking gave you the power to take a break. Mm -hmm. It gives you the power to de-stress. We all know as smokers, you're like, if you're in a shitty, if things suck and you walk outside and have a cigarette, you will feel better. Nicotine brings you down. Mm Of course, going outside and maybe taking deep breaths and just meditating might also help, but you don't think to <laughs> do that, as well. right? Because yeah. <laughs> right? you're like, I know three minutes, I have this, and I'm going to come way down. So we know that there is benefits to using these things, mm. and yet we also know they're bad for us. And so, but here we have a guy who, who when he he's literally the most powerful superhero. I mean, they almost even make him look a little like. Um, you you mentioned Shazam, um, you know he's that big, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He's 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 got blonde hair. He's like, like the dude. Catholic version of Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up Catholic. I I and I'm not Catholic anymore, but I grew up Catholic, and for whatever reason, Catholics have their Jesus be blonde. Yeah, okay. Which is the dumbest thing ever. My wife didn't believe it for years. And one day when one of our daughters was, she played in the symphony and the place they normally played their concerts was close. They had to play in this Catholic church. So we go and I'm like, oh boy, you're going to see blonde Jesus. And she just thought I was always making it up. And we go in and sure enough on the wall, big, huge painting of blonde Jesus. She's like, how, how is this? How is, how does anybody think Jesus was a blonde white guy? I'm like, I don't know. All the Catholics think Jesus was a blonde white guy. I can't. So when I saw him, when I saw the, the hero version of Francis in this, that's what I thought. I'm like, you say surfer dude, which is better, which is more accurate. So I'm just going to piss everybody off and be blasphemous and say, he reminded me of like beefed up blonde Jesus. Cause it's like, <laughs> that's the Jesus I grew up with was like totally cut, ready for fight club, uh-huh, uh-huh. blonde Jesus with an eight pack. I don't know why the Catholics were like made him a surfer dude, but they did. So <laughs> anyway, going to go to hell anyway. So I might as well just own it. Yeah. Have you ever seen pictures of blonde Jesus? Dan? I have not, but after this, <laughs> I will insane. certainly Google blonde Jesus. 
you will, you just look up Catholic images of Jesus because it's a specifically Catholic oh. thing. I cannot figure out what it is about them because, you know, most Catholics aren't blonde white people. So I don't understand what the, what their love for white blonde Jesus is. Well, I don't well, know. Maybe there was anyway. a Catholic in the senior position that, you know, thought, do you know what? <laughs> We're the only ones that are going to have this. So we'll just copyright it. So no other religion can have a surfshoe <laughs> blonde. <laughs> Super new blind Jesus, yeah, who's totally got an eight pack, and again, he's he's in the he's ready for Fight Club. Yeah, uh, but that's who this guy is. He is, and I, I and I know I skipped over it, but like your idea earlier when you mentioned up Billy Batson and the whole Shazam idea, um, because again, his power first comes when he's a kid, and then it continues. And when you see Ruben slash Francis, he is this scrawny little yeah. awful mess. He looks like an addict, and so it's so fascinating. Do you suspect then that the that the embodiment that we see? I mean, we know we see it, but it, are, are they trying to say this is how we all feel? Like this is what we think? Like I've never done heroin or any mm-hmm. illicit drugs. I've never smoked pot. I've never done any drugs, um, like at all. Besides, you know, smoking and drinking. That's just never was never interesting to me. Nah. But. But I know people who who have, who feel great, you know, who are like, they get stoned and they think they're the smartest guy in the room when really they're not. Or they, think they, or they you know, take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, really? <laughs> yeah. No, not me. Not me. Um, but I didn't. No, no, I didn't... But you know somebody who yeah, uh, gets stoned and thinks he can beatbox? He, he, he oh. can beatbox. And it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it was like I wanted the news, not the weather. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, see, I kind of actually wish I could see that mm. because that must be absurd. Oh, um, but anyway, this idea that like people take cocaine and then they're all mm-hmm. jacked up or whatever, you know, and they're all like, Bruh. so, so when he takes, when he's like completely like drunk, totally hammered or totally high, he's this monstrous thing. And so is that like, is that a warning that they're giving? I mean, obviously there's a warning in this book, like, yeah, Hey, yeah. drugs are bad, everybody. Oh, yeah. But, but is that the idea of like this, this idea of you think what you think is happening is so much different than what's actually happening to your body. Is that what we're supposed to see I, here? I, I, I think so. Because like, like I said, like when you have alcohol, it, it, uh, alters your, like your mood. So you may be happy. You may be sad. You may be, like I said earlier, a big ball of rage. Um, and I think it's the same with drugs. Like you take drugs and you think you're Superman or you think you're the Hulk. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's like, Oh yeah, let, let me lift you up. I can lift you up. He's like, Oh yeah. It's like, <laughs> Oh, punch you in the back of the head and see if I can take it. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I've actually had somebody walk up to me and goes, you're, you're right. It's like, Oh yeah. Um, I can take a punch, you know, it's like, yeah, just punch me in the back of the head. It's like, no, because <laughs> if I do that, I'm not going to prison. <laughs> no, well, and you are not a, you are not a slight man. You are, I would never ask you to punch. I've not met you in person, but I feel like you would kick my ass. I would never ask you to jokingly punch me. So that guy must've really been fucked up oh. to go up to you and be like, yeah. Dan. Yeah. It's probably why, because he's like, "Who's the biggest badass in the room?" I'm going to go have him punch me, so I can prove I'm a badass. Like, That's not. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, gonna. We're not. We're not going to kill. Was that. he like a little guy too, or was it like a guy? It was, was it a bigger it, guy it who was asked a little guy? <laughs> <laughs> it was a little guy. Oh my god! And believe it so, or not, so, and that is it. <laughs> a dumb blonde guy. Oh god, sorry. I'm sorry that happened. That's that's. 
That's awful. Okay. Well, so the story goes on, and you mentioned the the fight that he has with the rogues, where he gets the sh- the shit the shit kicked out of there him. There we go. Um, that was really really bloody. Mm-hmm. That scene. I think that's a good place to talk not only about the rogues but about um, Jeff Shaw's art style because I think that's the moment for me that made me the most uncomfortable <laughs> was the fight scene with the rogues. Um, yeah. I think that is also where Jeff Shaw really shined. So I was just curious because you brought it up earlier. What what did you think of just Shaw's art style in general? But that section in particular when he's having the battle royale. Like, I loved it a lot. Like a lot of the art in it, it portrayed different emotions. Um, like there's one where like um, Ruben or sorry, Francis, um, <laughs> where it's just a shot of like his head and he's screaming out and it's just all red. So it could either convey anger or it can convey pain. Um, so there was that. Uh, there was the I'm trying to think now. There was when he was telling the story of when he was in I think when he was in college, um, and he got in the car with his friends, um, and the car had crashed, and you see both guys' face like planted in the dashboard, and you just see like the pen strokes just just showing like the severity of that crash. Um, and like, you can see like the ripple effect of, on the guy's faces as their faces hit the dashboard. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then there's the, the rush week where he's inside the truck and telling him, you know, you got to drink this keg and you got to finish it and you can't come out until it's done. Um, and it actually made me raise up like a couple of questions because, it's the scene where, like, the, so the the frat boy, he's like, oh, don't worry, guys, not many people finish it, blah, 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 blah. He lifts up the shutter, and then all you see is his, uh, Ruben's hero persona's fist. And it kind of looks like, and I don't know about you, but it kind of looks like there was, like, I would just say it, it looks like there was blood dripping off of his fist. It looks like it was blood. I think he looks like he's naked, dripping blood. Like, yeah, and it's just In like, that scene, yeah. And it was like... And it kind of, and just from now, just reminded me of like when we were doing the old guard episode, um, where the, the the two guys um, had beat the crap out of all these guys in the van. You think, what did they do in this van? And you think, here is like, what the hell did you do in this truck? Because, like I said, you, all you see is his fist and what looks like to be blood dripping off of his fist. Um, do you think he killed everybody? Possibly. Possibly because, like you said, so we, we we fast forward to the scene with all like the rogues and stuff. He's just had like the the church wine, and um, he just ripped through that android. And um, again, like I said, with the pen strokes, it was just it's just very erratic. It's all over the place, and it just conveys like like I said, he was a big ball of rage, and all that rage just coming out like he's tearing people apart here left right and center and it just it just sucks you in but like when i saw the 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 bit where he drinks the wine i was thinking oh yes we're gonna finally see his his other form and i turned the page and i was like holy shit you don't intentionally look at like the page to the right i don't know why i do that i i flip it and i look just like a brief look and i looked at it and i was like oh shit Like, you know, we all have this, we all have this, like, this perception of superheroes to be, like, 
oh, like Joker, this is the last time you're ever going to do this, blah, 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 blah. They have this little fist fight and Batman knocks out Joker cold and he goes off to Arkham and then that's that. This, like, he's ripping people apart. It's like, this is not what the superhero does, but then it's like kind of, it's kind of like, like I said, I, I read Miracle Man and Miracle Man is, is it's kind of like, what would happen if superheroes existed in like our world in the world? Like, would it be like Batman and Joker, like Superman and Lex Luthor? Would it be like that? Or would it be the way like Miracle Man and this like buzzkill would be where a superhero would stop people by, you know, ripping them apart. Yeah. When I think it, I think it, it's, I love that that scene you're talking about, it, it's just, and I have to say I love such a disturbing, bloody mess of a scene. Mm. But I think through that, and this is all an issue too, right? The whole thing where you see the, the, the his, like the way that he goes down and down and you, cause you see the flashback when he saves his girlfriend from the bears. Yes. And it's clear that he's killed, killed the bears, killed the bad guy. And mm. she's not happy with it, but he's, he's like, wait, wait. You were about you were bait. You're the typical Lois Lane damsel in distress, and this guy was gonna let bears eat you, and so yeah. I killed him. And she's mad at him, and there's this whole conversation being had, like you said, about what it means not only you know leaving the drug stuff behind, but like right the superhero commentary that's here too. That's what you you mentioned earlier. Use the onion layer about people, but I think there's an onion thing to this book because there's all the drug stuff we already talked about. Now there's this whole idea of what it means to be a superhero, and what would you do with that power? Mm. if you had it you would hope you'd be like eric right mm. maybe not sleep with your best friend's <laughs> girlfriend but yeah, you know yeah, you'd, yeah. Hope, that aside. you'd hope you'd hope yeah that aside or or what the doctor dr black, black in here who's the doctor strange character yeah you'd hope you'd be like that but no you know how how do you know that you wouldn't be the punisher I w- how do you know you would you know, how do you know? Yeah, like, I thought the exact same thing, because, like, like I said, like, I, I flicked the page, and I looked at that page on the right just briefly, and I thought, like, holy crap, it's like, this is not what a super- superhero is supposed to be. But then, again, it's like, if you're, you are that person in that person's shoes, like, and you had that sort of power, like, how how would how would I use it? Um, yeah, and it's just, oh, yeah, it's just... Absolutely crazy, but yeah, it it, it it's it's good that way because it it sucks you into the story even more. So, yeah, because it it makes you feel. I feel like that's up to that point. You know, I could relate the drug stuff. You know, again, I've never did heavy yeah, drugs, yeah. but I've you know I've, I've smoked. I've, I understand addiction. I get. I'm with him. I'm on his side a little. And then we get to that part, and I'm not sure if I'm still on on yeah. Francis at Rubens. We don't know his name is Francis yet. But then, like you said, I, I pause and I think and I look up at the picture that Sam drew of all of us. You know, mm. the, the, I have it right here, the comic picture that Sam Lott drew picture. of the, of yeah. the comics motion guys. Right in the middle, there's Max dressed as Punisher. And, I, you know, and it's like, I get it. I get why you want to be Punisher. I get the mm. Punisher thing. You know, it's like because sometimes people are awful. And, you know, that's the whole Red Hood thing is Red Hood is, is pissed at Bruce for not killing the Joker. He's like, I get it. Up to that point, you don't kill the Joker, but the Joker beat me to death with a crowbar. Yeah. So fuck, man. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a tough call because you feel like, God, if I had that kind of power, I would yeah. maybe not. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't even you know <laughs> kill animals, but it's still kind of yeah. like 
these guys are fucking assholes. And, and is there a prison? Is uh, That's such an interesting commentary. Just not about superhero, yeah. but like heroism. And what do, we, what do we do in general to bad guys? Yeah, because it's like, you know, again, like this whole um, thing about what a superhero is supposed to be, you know, beat the bad guy, send him to prison or send him to Arkham, whatever. That's what they're supposed to be. But then it's like, these guys are going to keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back and doing worse and worse things. So it's like, you have to decide whether you're just going to keep sending them back to Arkham Asylum or are you going to try and cross that line to get the job done? Um, and, you know, um, not soil, like, your values, but, you know, just go outside your, your comfort comfort zone and do what needs to be done in order to restore right and that's right that's the question what is you know and you ask yourself that all the time like what is justice and you know in our country you know we have the death penalty i don't know if you guys do um it's okay and see i'm against the death penalty i don't see a reason for the death penalty but then i read stuff like this and it makes me like oh or you watch like a, a movie like a revenge movie you know name name your favorite revenge movie like you know a movie i saw a couple years back um Peppermint, did you ever see that? With, I've uh, heard Peppermint, but I never, I never saw it, no. It loved. But it's a revenge movie. The, her family is killed, and so she goes crazy and just starts killing people. And you're like, yeah, all right. I mean, you killed her kids. She's fucking coming, you know, and as a parent, you're like, and you're a parent now. You know, and, like, and I yeah. get it that in this, you know, um, he's not a parent, but you know, he's in love with somebody. His, his girlfriend is put in harm's way. The city he loves is put in harm's way. Mm. So what are you willing to do? And it's yeah. such a, it's such a cool con. It's such a cool commentary. Um, I don't know that they give us a good answer. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, it's very questionable. Um, because in, in this, you don't, you, you don't see what the rest, all of these rogues have done to him personally for him to come back and rip them, you know, limb from limb. So like you said, you know, up until that point, you're like your, your team Ruben or team Francis, but then you get to that point and you're thinking, Oh Jesus Christ, calm down, man. Jesus. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's such a, it's such a cool thing to do. And it's because again, it's only four issues. And so halfway through issue two, you feel totally connected. You feel like, oh man he's an addict and but it gives him power mm. and this whole commentary on this and then you're like oh fuck he's also a fuck serial killer and and then you find out that his girlfriend's sleeping with eric whose name is the night night or the dark yeah, yeah, something yeah. and they nobody yeah. remembers dark his night, name. it's night, called eric yeah, dark night night fighter night night something with night in it i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that was super funny i mean the, the, his that was great and the dr black thing the yeah, whole yeah. Pew pew. He like so. Doctor Black, who's this this universe's version of Mister of Doctor Strange, he like points his fingers like finger guns. Goes pew, and then he just moves people to different dimensions. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like oh yeah, I just I just put in another continuity. Oh no, another storyline. And that that bit made me giggle. It's like another storyline. It's like oh so ah, smart. Okay. Well, he actually Donnie Cates is the one who does the crossover book. Mm. Right? Isn't that his book that he's doing yeah. now where it's like all the different continuities are together? So clearly he was setting this up, you know, year, this is 2013, and then it got reprinted in 2017. So it's like he's been planning this whole continuity thing. But I think that's really funny too. And again, talk about Miracle Man, how there's 
you know, Miracle Man's in our world and, and he's in a different world. And you know, every time you go through, because you guys just did Dr. Fate, yeah. there's different Dr. Fate of different Earths. And you're like, wait, wait, when is this? And there's the female Dr. Fate. And you're like, what? You're like, eh. So you just never know. No, you never, never know. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was such meta- great meta commentary, though, about comic books, because you're just like, this is a re- this is a comic book designed to be a comic book without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But then when you make the joke about a comic book like that, like I put them in a different continuity, you're like, oh, so you're also calling bullshit on it that whenever you have a problem in a comic book, you solve it by just making the retconning the character, making him disappear and be like, oh, that wasn't this earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that wasn't him. That was that was some other guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's silly, but it's also, but we as comic book readers, mm. we both laugh at that, but we're also like, yeah, I'm, I'll go along with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we didn't. Have, so this is definitely, and you know, we'll get to who it's for at the end, but it's definitely a like. If you're not a real heavy comic book reader, you, that joke is lost on mm. you. And some of like the night night thing, and that he looks like Doctor Strange, and all that stuff. Yeah. The Shazam reference you made earlier. I think a lot of that is lost on people. Mm, yeah like this is for and about comic book nerds like this is for us right yeah i mean the second time i read it because you know when you read something the first time like you get the you get the gist of the story and you enjoy it but then you read it the second time and then you notice things that you didn't from the first time you read it so it's like with the rogues there are rogues in there that look like villains from like the big two so there's one that looks like loki there's one that looks like gorilla grud um there's Oh, the, the one that's got the smiley face from the Watchmen. Yes, there's one. Yeah. He's, he's just got the button, the comedian's button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, there's that. But then, you know, there are there were a couple, like, like ridiculous villains thrown in there. There was one that had a goat. And I was like, what do you need a goat for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do you need a goat for? I just, yeah, I have to say that is maybe my... F- favorite panel in the whole one is when he wakes up and they're all looking down at him all the rogue faces oh my god it is so awesome i i I just i'm looking at it one looks like uh davy jones from the pirates movies Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's got the squid face i'm looking at that panel again yeah then there's a goat yeah one looks like the creeper yeah it is it is and the gorilla grad i like that he's got a bow tie on it too Okay. Well, <laughs> Got to be evil and elegant at the same time. Know, that's right. That's right. Well, in, in theory, Grodd is, mm. right? He's the smartest being, one of the smartest beings in the DC yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what it is. But I, I just think it was really, um, really smart commentary on, on um, superheroes. And so, as, so then the third layer of the onion... So we got the addiction, we've got the superhero meta-commentary, and the third layer of the onion is the dad story. Yeah. The... Um, we, we learn, and we're spoiling the shit out of this, everybody. It, I, I tweeted it out last night. I'm going to tweet it out again. Listen, this one you have to read before you listen, because there's no way we can dance around. Like, we got to talk about I, the villain, I, right? I thought about this before we started recording. It's like, how am I going to talk about this without spoiling it? There isn't a way of talking about it without spoiling it. So, guys. Yeah, and it's, it's not eight years old, right? Yeah. So you can get it. It's free on Hoopla. You can go get it. It's only four. Literally, it's it's one of those ones, like you said, you read it twice. It's 104 pages. But that first read-through, you will not stop. It's a one sitting because yeah. you're just like, holy shit, what am I reading? And then 
So you'll have time, everybody. If you, so we're going to give away the big bad, everybody. So you find out there, the reason he's an AA and the reason he says he's given everything up is because he got into a fight with his arch rival that went so bad that he hospitalized him and put him in a coma. And this bad, the big bad, nobody's ever hurt before. But Francis has done it. Mm. And then you find out that the big bad is his dad. Yeah, and the holy shit moment. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, did you see that coming? What do you think? I, holy shit is what you yeah. say. But yeah, I I did not because the way they did it. Um, so like he was in the AA meeting and he said, "Oh yeah, I got into this big fight and like I really hurt," or he got hurt and da 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 da. You didn't know who it was, and then it's the when the rogues were beating the crap out of Ruben and the, there was the news report. Um it got to a certain point where I think they were going to reveal who he was fighting against. And then, uh, Nikki, his ex-girlfriend just switched the TV off and you're like, Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> so smart. I know. Was so well dr- well, that was so well done. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I didn't see that. Co- I, I like the, and there's like another, like when you find out about Eric, I didn't see that coming either. Um, that Eric was sleeping with his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see that coming either, but yeah, when you find out, um, cause I think Eric was like, Oh, he's awake. He's back. I don't know what he's going to do, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, who is it? Who is it? And then you find out, you know, lo and behold, it's, uh, his daddy. Yeah. And it is a one, I'm going to, people can't see, but I'm going to show you this panel. It's a one, it's not a double panel splash page. It's a one yeah, panel, yeah, yeah, full page full, panel yeah. of the dad standing there. He's holding his arms out wide, blood dripping. He's got these scars all over him. Smoking a stogie. He says, um, now, how about a hug for your old man, kiddo? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. The fuck, man? Holy shit <laughs> is what you said. It is unbelievable. What a turn. And again, that's the end of issue three. So imagine if you were reading this in real time, you had to wait a month yeah. for the next issue. Oh, that would have been an ass kicker. Um I'm super glad I didn't have to do it, that I just got to read it. And then we get this flashback of little Francis playing with superhero toys, and his dad is already clearly a villain at that point. And he's like, are you the hero or are you the bad guy? And there's this just, like, awful way that he's treated him. Now, my dad passed away years ago, and he and I did not – I mean, we had a – I'll say it was fine. It was fraught, as many relationships are, with boys and their dads. Mm -hmm. Some people have the best relationship in the world with their dad. Some people have no relationships with their dad. Mine with my dad was not abusive like this, but I know people whose parents were. And again, this is where it's almost like this is the moment where I get back on Francis's side again for a minute. It was yeah. it's just like an emotional, again, four issues. It was all over the place. So what did you make on the commentary about the, you know, being a chip off the old block and, and like Francis is just destined to be a killer and a bad guy because his dad's a killer and a bad guy. Do you, you know, what, what did you make of all of that? That the fourth issue is all about, fathers and sons yeah. T- share as much as you want to share. I don't know your, you know, your story. You, you tell me, you tell, I, I, you yeah, never yeah, know. Yeah. You don't know. Some people are like, I fucking hate my dad. Some people are like, my dad's awesome. And I hated yeah. this book because my dad's great. Yeah. So I don't know, but how did this hit you in some um, way? And now as a, as a new dad yourself. Yeah, yeah. Too. So with me and my dad, like he was always around when I was like younger. Um, but then as I got older and older, like I saw him less and less and less. Um, and I think it got to the point of, I probably, I'm trying to think now. Probably either just after secondary school or just after college, I didn't really see him like 
at, at all. Like, my sister would be like, oh, have you spoken to your dad? And just, you know, and I'd be like, no. Because it, it got to the point where just things were awkward. Um, and we didn't really talk that much. Um, so, and he, he, so he wasn't really around. And then, obviously, you know, I'm now a dad. So I, I'm trying to be the opposite. I'm like I want to be the dad that's just always around, like helping whatever he needs as he gets older and and stuff like that. And I think it's the same thing with between Ruben and sorry Francis and his dad. So you can see pro- probably the, what you see of Francis's dad that that's his hero well, villain persona. So you don't actually see right, yes. you don't actually see what he actually looks like. So he's come to terms with what he is. He's a villain. He's he's drinking, smoking, whatever. Blah, blah blah blah. So it's probably the same effect with Francis. He's he's trying to be the opposite of what his dad is. But when you see his dad, and then you kind of cast your mind back to the the previous one, especially with the fight with with the rogues where he's this big ball of rage, it's probably him, like, working out his anger issues. That's not necessarily towards the, the rogues themselves. It's probably towards his towards his dad. So he's trying to get all of that out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everybody, like, everybody's different. Everybody has, like, you know, they have a, a really good relationship with their dads. Some don't. Some have like a good relationship, but it's an like like myself. It's a it's a good relationship, but it's awkward because we haven't spoken in so long, so it's it's really awkward. Um, I mean, we, we're I'm I'm trying to like reinteract with with my dad because obviously you know I've got my son, so he's a granddad now. So I'm trying to like get in there. Um, but yeah, um, everyone's different, but in, in this case, um, every you have that experience and you try to be like, you try not to be what your, your dad is. You try to be the the opposite. You try to go the other way. Yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah. Cause my, yeah, I, I, I'm that way. Right. Yeah. My dad and I, we disagreed on, I would say everything almost. (laughs) Um, there was a, you know, very few things, you know, we totally agreed on, um, or even partially agreed on. And it was like, for the longest time, the only thing we could talk about was sports or sport, as you guys say, you add an S on math, but you, but you take it off sports. That's a, that's a whole, that's a whole other podcast we'll have to have um, about the, the, the use of the letter S in the two versions of English. But um, we, that was always the thing that, that bonded us, you know, was, was liking the same teams or even if we disliked the teams, you know, just to be able to talk about it, it was like a weird language that we had because I'm a reader. He wasn't um, that he just, they just didn't get me. Like I'm an introvert. He needed a friend everywhere. Like wherever he went, no matter where you'd go within 15 minutes, the person sitting next to you at the football match or this person sitting next to you at the bar was his friend by the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And I am the guy who's like, I'm just going to sit at the end of the bar and sip my drink and read a book. You know, it's like, so we could not be further from, so I see exactly what you're saying. And I don't know that if it was a conscious effort on my part or if it's just who we are, and in the book, there's this conversation too. It's like, is Francis, because he's playing with the dolls, yeah. and he, so is he, is he trying to be different than his dad, or is he just different than his dad? And then he's like, now I need to prove why I am, like he's justifying yeah. just being born different. Like we're not our dads. Yeah. You know, some people are, some people are spitting images of their dads, and they're just like their dads. And, you know, and, you know, you're a good dad. So you hope your son grows up and is like, 
Thanks for being a state. Thanks for being there, man. I want to do that. I appreciate, you know, you hope that because you are a positive influence on him, not a negative one. So it's, it is, it's for, again, a four issue, hundred page comic. There's a lot to think about, man. (laughs) Yeah. Like I spoke to this, I spoke about this with Stephen Paul. And I said, once I read this, it it leaves you with like a hundred questions. There is just so much, so much in such a little, like you said, in such a little story. Um, but um, with Francis, I think Francis is Francis was his own person. So, like I said, he's playing with his toys, and then his dad comes on and is like, "Well, what are you doing? Why are you playing with the superhero?" And you're like, "You're not a superhero. You're this." Um, and obviously, you know, Francis just wants to break the stereotype. He's like, "I'm nothing like you. This is who I am. I'm a hero. That's always who I'm going to be." But then he does stuff that kind of goes against it, and it's like. I want to root for you, man. But you just can't go around ripping people's heads off. <laughs> yeah. You can't. Well, it's interesting what you said earlier. Um, I love what you said earlier where you were like, when you see his dad, he's all jacked up in his mm. super villain persona. Mm. And he's always that way, mm. which means he's always drunk or he's always high or he's always on something. Mm. He's never not. And so that's the one way that Francis can gain control is because after not once you learn the big reveal, then you go back to the beginning. and You're like, oh, fuck. He already knew what a dick his dad. He already knew this power was in his dad. So when he tries it when he's 14 and he freaks out, that's why he doesn't drink again for four years, because he's like, I don't. He doesn't say, I don't want to be anything like my old man, but that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So, so again, then there's the commentary, like the nature versus nurture thing. It's like it's his, in his genes, his power. Eric says to his, his girlfriend, the power comes from – you don't know where his power comes from. Mm-hmm. It's, it's from his dad. He's inherited. Yeah. So there's that whole thing about like what we inherit. And, and some argue, and I think it's probably true, that those who have – alcoholism which is a real disease a lot of times that's that Mm. it can be inherited that can just be in the genes the addictive gene exists Mm. and so it could be that's it sometimes again so it's like you said a hundred questions then there's go down this whole psychological rabbit hole of nature versus nurture and where do you land you know it's like am i going to be just like my dad because he's my dad or am i going to be nothing like my dad because he wasn't around or you know so it's like so weird it's such an odd conversation to think about again from a comic book so yeah you know I don't know. I mean, how, how do you feel like, do you ever feel like, do you ever hear yourself say something or do something that you're like, ah, oh, shit, that was something like, there's this thing my mom does where she leans on her hand like this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she like puts her, her chin in her thumb. And then she puts, I catch myself doing it all the time. Yeah. And I've seen one of my children do it. Mm. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> did we just pick that up from her? Or is that just a weird genetic thing where we just lean on our thumbs, you know? So it's weird. So I don't know. Well, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think because like so, like my, like my dad, the the very few um, events, like extended family events that he came to, he would always be like in a corner on his own. Um, and then like, I'm pretty much the same, but with like new people, if I don't know you, I won't speak to you. I won't whatever unless you come and speak to me. Then obviously, like I'll warm to you, and I won't shut up. Um, so, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of like the person I am. So it's kind of like with, with Francis, like, like I said, I keep going back to the, the whole rogue scene where he's like in his hero persona and he's this big boy of rage. Like it, and we have like the hundred questions. It's like, did he, is it something within his genes that make him super angry when he's in his hero persona? 
or had he seen something that his dad's done in the past, like maybe to his mother or something, and it's just something that's imprinted on him or is something in his genes. Do you know what I mean? He's replicating what his father's done in the past. Yeah, it's a tough call, and I and I and just to skirt around it because I don't want us to spend too much time on it. Right. But it's interesting what you say about his mom because there's an implication there of of how his mother becomes pregnant, and it's uncomfortable, yeah. and I don't want to dwell on it yeah, because yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. really hard to read. But it's but there is a again one of the hundred questions, and so when you read this, everybody, which you should have read if you've listened to this part. It, it was unco- I'm assuming it was uncomfortable for me to read. Mm-hmm. You just said it was for you. Yeah. I assume it was uncomfortable for everybody to read. And it's almost one of those things where you're like, if you blink, you miss it. Because um, it's just one panel mm. um, that it's there. But like then you mention it again. So you assume that his dad was super abused. That's where the mom is. He's probably killed her, right? Yeah. And so Francis, I mean, because they're like, why would Francis be stuck with this asshole? Well. Where's your mom? Yeah, well, yeah. your dad probably killed her at some point in time. He's awful. Um, and so then, so there's his big heroic moment at the end. Mm. And I'm curious. He he says to her, because she, she, he's all jacked up and he goes up into space to fight his dad. Or he's going to take his dad up to space yeah, and yeah. kill him. Um, but when she says to him, she his girlfriend says to him, she's like, but why did you do this to yourself? You said you would, you said you were quit. And he's like, Oh, don't you understand where the power came from? Or weren't you paying attention? So do you think at the end it was that he lied to her and that he did like shoot heroin in his eyes to get all jacked up? Or was the is she the addiction? Is he addicted to her and that his love for her gave him the power at the end to save her? Which do you think it is? Did he lie or is he in love with her? I think he's in love with her. Or is it something different? Am I crazy? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think he's in love with her because I think at the beginning of the of the story he calls her um and then again when uh dr black comes along he's like oh, i'm your sponsor we're gonna do this and you need to go and make amends with um all these other people she's like i think she was the first one on his list um so obviously he she means a whole lot to him um and i think at, on some level he uh she kept him grounded um and you know, not to turn into his father. Um, so yeah, totally. Like he he was in love with. Her. I don't think he lied to her. I think he, I think he told her stuff, but she didn't really fully grasp the severity of the uh, the situation. And so, do you think her love is what his? That's the final power. Like when he's all jacked up again, mm. is it that? Was it the love that powered him? Do you think, or was it like he loved her so much that he was willing to just take a fatal dose, like an over? Because you hear that sometimes with rock stars, where it's like uh, mm. the guy from uh, Sublime, right? Right after he had his son, he wrote this whole album about his son, but he couldn't quit heroin, and so then like he sells this big album, they go on this tour, they make all this money, and then like he's dead shortly thereafter, and everybody says, "Oh, it was an overdose," but the the implication is that he killed himself with a heroin overdose mm-hmm. because he was he didn't want his son to see him that way. So since he couldn't get clean for his son, he might as well leave all his money to his son. And if it's a drug overdose, the life insurance will pay. But if he kills himself, it won't. Like, so that's the, that's the argument around the internet about the guy from Sublime. But when I see this ending, I'm torn. It's like, is that what he did? Did he like shoot heroin in his eye or, or, or did he just 
did he summon his strength to overcome the addiction to become a hero one last time? I th- yeah, like I think so because in this last time that he transforms, he's not this big ball of rage. He's calm, he's serene, and he's 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 he, he seems very like level headed um, as opposed to what he was before. Um, so he's he had finally seen his errors of his ways of, you know, getting blind drunk and taking all of these drugs and, and all of that. So it was definitely his love for her. It was definitely his love for her that, you know, was the, the coup de gras as it were. That's, and I think it's, and again, and so here we are back at the, I agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, here we are back at the end, but it, it's one of the hundred questions. Like when you read it, you're like, wait, cause he may, he's like, he's saying I lied, and then he's also, like you said, he's so serene, and again, that's where Jeff's drawing is amazing, because you can see the difference in him, his whole face. He's still jacked up. Did you notice that his emblem on his chest is the is the emblem of the fraternity that he rushed? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's on his... Isn't that crazy? It's on his super suit, it's on yeah. his t-shirt, yeah. it's on the, the frat guy's t-shirt. Yeah, so it's like whatever that, whatever yeah. that's about for him, but... I just found it really interesting mm. that he couldn't, like, he couldn't move past that moment in his life, you know, when whatever happened, whether he killed those guys or not, you know, he's, he's used that as his symbol for transformation. Well, you may have just committed a mass murder. <laughs> I don't know if you, if that's your symbol. Is that a good, I'm not sure, but um, you're right. So it's like all in those moments, I'm totally with you. And then here you get to the end and then you're on his side again yeah. and you're like, son of a bitch, I'm on your side again. And so do you think he's done enough? And this is the final layer of the onion, to use your analogy from earlier, which I love. Um, We'll call this one, and then show notes, Buzzkill the Onion episode. (laughs) Is the final layer of the onion atonement? Like, is that it? So it's like you have this story about addiction, you have this story about superheroes, you have this story about parenting, and then you have this story about forgiveness and atonement. And and is he – do you forgive him? Do you you forgive Francis? And should you forgive Francis? Did he do enough – I think I think I'll just stop there. Yeah, Did he do enough? I th- I think I think it's a weird way to to atone uh, for what he's done um, to you know and want to to save the world from his dad, but to also sacrifice himself. But he probably did it because he feels he probably would turn in so, sooner or later. He would probably turn into his father again. Um, but I think he's done enough. Um, he's he, he's tried to atone. He's tried to make amends with all the people, like the the their version of like the Justice League. Um, he tried to uh, like yeah. Atone with <laughs> That's them. a pretty funny scene. I laughed a lot during it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he tried to atone with them. He tried to atone with um, you know, uh, a partner that he's hurt because of his actions. Um, so I I think so. I think he's done. He did enough. He did. I think he went above and beyond. Um, yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm with you, and it's so weird because it's like you you go through such an emotional roller coaster with him because you're on his side and you're like, whoa, and now you're back on his side, and 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 again, I don't know. You know, for me, the the ending question is, you know, you can't unring a bell, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the thing. You can't put the t- toothpaste back in the tube or whatever, but. You know, so then we're left with the question too, not just about this comic book, but with, our, with ourselves. Is like, can you can if you do something awful to somebody, uh-huh. 
You know, like he didn't ever physically hurt her. He emotionally yeah, hurt yeah. her. So if you do something, obviously that's a different situ- situation, or maybe it isn't a different situation. And maybe that's the conversation that Kate Resnick, Kate Resnick wants us to have. It's like, you know, what what is too much? What is so much stuff that you've done that you can't undo it? Uh, Not undo it, but like to be forgiven. And then like, I mean, I, you think about the bad stuff you've done in your life and you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a saint uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not, I'm not blonde ripped Jesus, but um, <laughs> I just don't, I don't, uh, I just want to make sure I'm going to hell. So I, I, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've not done this. I'm not an alcoholic. I've never yeah. gone through the steps of asking everybody I've ever done something shitty to, to forgive me. Like, do I call somebody who I was mean to when I was 14 and be like, remember that time when I was 14? And that person's probably like, no. You yeah. know, is it, are the things that we've done to people, do they hang with us? You know, there's this conversation about guilt. It's such a, it's such a deep, thoughtful book um, about a drug addict superhero. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, what what are some of the hundred questions that you're left with that I haven't addressed? Because I would love for everybody to hear um, what your what yours are. Well, first and foremost, we never actually find out what his super, uh, superhero persona's name is. Right. We never find that out. That's right. Because I think it was um, when Nicky got uh, kidnapped by Brutal Juice. He was like, oh, yeah, someone's here. I was just like, oh, you're expecting. And then it's crossed out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Every time it's crossed out. Yeah, his name is always blacked out like it's uh, um, been redacted. Yeah, and then again it, in, on the news report, oh, the such and such uh, villain, and it's crossed out again. But I, I looked at it again today because I re- it bugged the crap out of me. I really wanted to know what his name was. <laughs> so, like, I mean, to me, it looks like it's set. Hang on, I've just got to get the, got to get the book out. Um, but it looks like something. I think this is like absolute or something like that. It, I thought it could be absolute, like the name of the vodka. Yeah. So yeah, to, yeah. So I'm looking at it now. Like it looks like it says absolute, but we'll never know. And that's and that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of it. You'll yeah. Never know. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, when I first, when I read it the first time round, I thought that these the emblem on his um, his shirt was a Q, not an O. So when it said it was like a Q, and then you, you got a uh, Doctor Black, and his name his name spelt B A L Q K, and I was like, oh, okay, well maybe it's tied into that somehow. Um, but um, no, Doctor Black was absolutely. I found him hilarious. I thought it was funny. He looked like a like a he was great comic relief. Yeah, like a hippie mad scientist kind of because he had like a, a crazy <laughs> he had like a crazy eye. Um. He did. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really, like I said, for it being such a thoughtful, heavy book, there's a lot of really funny stuff yeah. it, too. And it's like when um, yeah. he's like, oh yeah. Uh, so Mr. Black, he goes, Dr. Black. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Dr. Black. He goes, no, Dr. Black <laughs> with a Q, not a C. Right. He's like, that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah, like he could hear the way it was spelled. Like we get to see that he's saying it differently and he can somehow hear it. And you're like, wait, what are you, what are you saying? It, yeah, like, that's pretty funny. He's like, wait, what did I say? You said Dr. Black. He's like, yeah, that's, that's it, Dr. Black. Um, and it was, there was a bit in the way uh, Francis goes in the church and he looks up at the uh, Jesus on the crucifix and he just says, hang in there. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so 
was like, man, how do you get how do you get away with something like that? You know, it's pretty funny. It was pretty. That is pretty pretty awesome. damn funny. Um, yeah, and like what got me is he was like sending out all these zingers where he was getting the crap beaten out of him by um I think it was again brutal juice. He was getting the crap beaten up. I think it's like. It's like you don't need to be funny. You're getting the crap beaten out. You get your head stomped. Yeah, ribs broken, and and all of that. It's just it, it was it was a crazy. It was a one crazy book. Like I said, I, it is, and it is. I, I thought it was going to be long. I thought it was going to be longer than that. I thought it was going to be like this whole massive journey before they reached you know the big reveal. But um, it, it is a powerful book for what it is. I agree. And it's it to me, it's like the thing that we love best about independent comics. First of all, it's a Dark Horse and Image comic. So it was originally published with Dark Horse and now it's at Image. So mm. the, the the number three and four of the big of the big four, Dark Horse and Image, it's it's connected to both of them, but you can't get more indie than that. You're like, I'm gonna be over here and I'm gonna be over here. Mm-hmm. Um so that's pretty cool. That's that's the beauty of an owner getting to take credit to his and the I think the colorist and letterers woman so his and her um art they get to move it they're like the where we started over here and we get to move here it's ours mm-hmm. so that's like the beauty of it and you know like all of the stuff with um alan moore and uh you know miracle man where he's listed as depending on which copy you get is the original yeah. writer like he doesn't even say his yeah. name you know because he you know so it's one of those situations where it's like this is a book like this exists because of the work Alan Moore did. So, you know, it's like super indie, but it is, it's really thoughtful. It's really deep. It has, as you said, it's the onion, the onion episode, but mm. I, I, um, I'm really, I really do think it's, uh, it's, it's the, it's the story that we can all find something to relate to. So whether it's, you just look at it as the commentary on superheroes, it's there. If you want to look at the commentary about parenting, about relationships, about addiction, there's so much there for you. And we kind of went through it step by step. Cause I think that that made sense to do it that way. Um, so we'd be having a normal conversation instead of being like, and then remember, so, <laughs> but uh, um, it's, it's very good. So as you always know, the last question is um, who do you recommend this to? Who, who's the person where you're like, is it, am I wrong? I mean, you know, now that we've talked through it, I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Could, could you hand this to a non comic book reader and go, like the superhero stuff notwithstanding, this is something you read. Who do you recommend this book to? Obviously, Ugh. Paul recommended it to you. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I would recommend it to someone who probably like reading the big two. Um, and maybe they've got to a stage where it's like, I feel like I'm just reading the same thing over and over and over and over again. Then I'll be like, well, funny you should say that. There's a book called Buzzkill, <laughs> and it's about a superhero who only gets his powers for illicit drugs and alcohol. Read that. And, yeah, I think, yeah, th- th- those are the sort of people that I would um, tell tell them to read. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, because there's something, and again, this is, and I love the big two, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm a superhero fan, I'm, you know, yeah. but... I get exhausted sometimes at the lack of stakes. I just watched Black Widow, which I loved. Have you seen it yet? I have not. Um, I was considering, because I got Disney Plus, so I was, I was considering using the Premier Access to watch it. But I think I'll yeah. wait until that's gone and then I can just watch it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. 
I really enjoyed the shit out of it. And um, the problem with it was, is the stakes were low because it's a, it's takes place after civil war, but before infinity war. So you're like, I know that Natasha is going to be fine. And you know, these other characters, you're like, well, I don't know anything about them. So maybe they could all die. But, and again, you never go into it thinking, well, it's an Iron Man movie. Iron Man's not going to die, but (laughs) there's, there needs to be some kind of stakes. And I feel like with regular comics now lately, Uh the stakes have been gone, you know, Again, and I love Red Hood. I like Jason Todd. But as soon as you brought Jason Todd back and you bring Bucky back, right? Mm-hmm. So it, I won't be surprised if they try to bring Uncle Ben back and they'll just, you know, <laughs> fuck the whole thing up. But it's like when there's when there's no stakes, it's hard. And that's the thing about a book like this, about indie comics. And while Dr. Black, 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 Black. Yeah. Am I saying it right? Black. Black. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Black. What did, the, what did I say? Um, he discusses the other continuities. And again, mm. Donnie Cates' other books, but Seth has talked about, which I haven't read. I oh, I have a copy of it. I haven't read it yet. It's called Crossover, where it's like all the different universes are smashing together from different continuities. Mm. So there's this, there's that joke about continuity, and we talked about it too. But indie comics because they're out of continuity, because it's this is a buzzkill universe, which isn't the same universe as the old guard, mm-hmm. which we talked about, which isn't the same universe as Dr. Fate, which isn't the same universe as Miracle Man or whatever. And so by having those separate, having a story that, I mean, the hero dies at the end of this. Yeah. So it's like you go into a story called Buzzkill, which is a great title for what it is. And then the hero's dead. The last panel of the hero, well, the last panel is a tipped over bottle, right. but it's almost the last panel is the hero's dead. So you're like, well, damn, you can't get away with that. Bat, You know Batman's going to live. So I, I agree with you that that's a great call who should get it. It's people who are like, I love heroes, but I'm a little tired of, I always know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Batman's going to beat him and he's going to put him back in Arkham and then another one will escape. Mm-hmm. And then that's the thing. Yeah. And it's, it's over and over and over and over and over again. Um, like, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like with if a character dies, for me, so, like it would be just awesome. Like let them stay dead. Like don't bring them back because otherwise it's like, oh well, what else are you going to do with them? You know, um, right? Yeah, the emotional resonance of of it. And so far, Alfred and I've not. I'm a few months behind on Batman, mm-hmm. but as far as I know, Alfred is still dead. Yeah. Um, but we all think that that won't last. For Max and I have <laughs> talked about it, Stephen. I mean, we all think they're going to have it be Tim Drake downloaded Alfred's brain, and now it's going to be in a robot Alfred or something. We all think Alfred's coming back. Right, like, right, he's in flashbacks, right? Well, he's in flashbacks, right? He's in Nightwing. They have him in, and in Robin, uh, mm. Damien's spinoff story. He's there in the background, like he's haunting them all in their minds. They're all talking to Ghost Alfred. So that's a fine way to yeah, keep Alfred because yeah, yeah. he's in all their hearts. But I'm like, are you setting us up for Alfred to come back? And again, I don't I love Alfred, but it's also unrealistic to say that all characters live forever. And if you're gonna kill one off, mm-hmm. one that has who is an emotion there's an emotional resonance forever if Alfred stays dead because that's a turning point in the lives of all these characters, yeah. right? You know, they brought Gwen Stacy back with the parallel dimension, Mm -hmm. right? The spider Gwen. She's not in regular 616 continuity, but she's still like, well, we got to bring Gwen back somehow. So we're like, why? Gwen dying changed Peter's life. It made him a different hero. And we need to let that because it's not, you know, I I don't get it either. It's just it's not just the feels with the characters themselves within the story. It's the feels with the person who's reading the story. Like you said, like with like 
uh, Jason Todd when he died and like with when Alfred died, you've gone through this emotional roller coaster like, oh my god, this massive character that we've all come to know and love is 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 gone and they're dead. And then next ish like next arc, they're back again and you're like, Well what the hell, man? I grieved for you, man. Like Yeah. That's exactly right. And you do. I voted. I've, I'm on record of saying I was, you know, I voted. I spent my money paying, right, dialing the 1-900 number trying to save Jason. Like, I voted to not kill Jason. Yeah. And I was crushed because, you know, Robin's my character. And that was pre-Tim Drake, you know. And that's the thing. You're like, well, if they didn't kill Jason Todd, you don't get Tim Drake. I'm like, yeah, but Jason Todd could could learn from that. And he mm. could become Tim Drake. Like, he could have become the nerdy bookworm because he got his ass mm-hmm. beat by a crowbar so he's gonna like oh i gotta be smarter than the joker instead of yeah. trying. there's there's things you could have done so it's it's um yeah i'm with you i just so i i that's why i love indie comics because sometimes you just you need four issues or the first uh, first ever episode of this um i kill giants seven issues it needed to be seven it didn't need to be six didn't need to be nine it was seven seven perfect issues here's the story i'm telling and so you know, I'm surprised that they didn't pick this back up, you know, and try to tell like a buzzkill prequel, but I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad it's like, this is the story yeah. you're getting, and sometimes you just need an ending. Yeah, a part, a part of me was like, it would be cool if, like, he has Dr. Black as his uh, sponsor, and it's like, right, we're gonna, I'm going to take you on this journey to make you atone for all the, all the bad shit that you've done, um, and maybe like have it span over a couple of arcs, maybe have a couple of villains. So like his dad was the first one. So he, he deals with his, his personal demons. Um, he has another villain because somebody he's wronged in the past. He has another villain because of this reason. And then maybe just have it just like, maybe have like three or four arcs and then just have it end there. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy with this one. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally change it, to be honest. No, I wouldn't either. It's really, it's tight. It's an example of if you want to learn how to write a tight script, boy, this is it, man. They cut, they trim the fat. You always say like, oh, that movie could have been like even the new Black Widow, which I loved. It probably could have been 15 minutes shorter. Um, <laughs> every Wachowski's movie, I always am keen to say, you know, every movie the Wachowski sisters do is 20 minutes too long. And I like almost every one of those movies, but it's like, this is 20 minutes too long. Girls. What are we doing? Cut it down just a little. So, um, you know, except for like Commando, maybe like Arnie's Commando, which is like 90 Mm -hmm. minutes and there's no fat. Most movies are a little too long. Most everything's, but this isn't. (laughs) This is like perfection storytelling. There's no filler. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, maybe that's it. There's that. Uh, the, there was a album years ago by the band Sum 41. Did you ever hear them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had an album called All Killer, No Filler, and it was like a 27-minute album. It was just like, that was it. It was like just this 27 minutes, like nine songs of like, blah! such a great album. Because they, the they called it that. They're like, point. yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So, well, this was a delight. I'm so glad you picked it. It's always good to see your smiling face. For people who who um, would like to see your face more, because you guys do video for your show, tell everybody how they could see yeah. your glorious smiley face now well, and again you can around find the internet. Us, uh, you, can, you can find us on YouTube on um, uh, Dummies Guides uh, to Geekdom, or you can just type in Superheroes for Dummies and you can find us that way. Um, if you don't want to see this handsome mug, you can always just listen to us. I, why, why would you? But that, that's silly. If you have the opportunity, I mean, it's crazy, right? Sometimes you just got to listen on the go. But if you, I mean, right? Why would you not want to see it? That's just yeah. dumb. 
It, I mean, if if it's like seeing my face is like opening the Ark of the Covenant, I don't know. You, you know, you don't want to get your face melted off. <laughs> yeah, your face, your face is what in the box in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> you open the thing, Jules opens it up. It's just your face. That's what's in there. Just Dan's face, smiling and glorious. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> If you do not want to see my face, which is complete and utter lunacy, but um, you can always find us on any uh, podcast streaming service, so Spotify, um, trying to think of another Apple Podcast, you name it, we're probably on it. Um, you can search us on uh, via Comics in Motion. Um, just click on the Comics in Motion tab, and you will see our podcast amongst all these other fantastic podcasts, including this one, Indie Comic Spotlight, which is absolutely amazeballs. Um, Thank you. You can also find me on the deep, dark Twitterverse um, under the handle dark underscore Ronin. So that's dark underscore R-O-N-I-N 84. Yeah. Collectively, you can find us as, like I said, again, just search the superheroes for Dummy, you can find us on on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram. Um we post quite regularly like on there. And also on Twitter, sorry, again as well. You can find us collectively on there. Yeah, and make sure you vote. Now this won't come out in time for the next one that you are doing with the with uh later this week with Matt, but yeah. um this should come out close to that time. So make sure you go listen. It is a great show. Um, the three of you are so much fun. And this week Matt will be pinching um for Steve O, yes. who's on vacation. So yes. um very exciting stuff. Very cool. Mm. Um, and then, so make sure you guys follow because you guys get to vote. As you guys say, it's your votes. You And here's the thing. This is how you know. It's it's the fan show, Dan. Mm. You've wanted to do Dr. Fate since like the third episode. <laughs> and you just did it like on the 28th episode. So the fat or tw- 30th episode. So here you are. That's how much of it is the show for fans that you waited that long for mm-hmm. the show you wanted most. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Fate. <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> and the thing is that sucks is I voted for Doctor Fate a bunch, and then because of work, because it was like during finals week, and I had all those papers to grade, I didn't send any of my questions in. <laughs> I know I suck, I totally suck, but it's a great. It was a banger. I'm glad yeah. you finally got to do your Doctor Fate episode, <laughs> so that was exciting. Um, my question would have been, and I'll just ask you: um, Do you prefer full mask or half mask? I prefer full mask because that was the first mask that I, I ever I ever saw so and it was just it, not menacing but it's very like very powerful very intimidating to look at so yeah full mask I agree way, I'm with you I mean the half, half mask totally right <laughs> half mask it seems like okay so you can breathe whatever but full mask <laughs> and especially because they're the, full mask is fucking scary I mean what what's going on back there there's no hole it's just like this golden it would scare the shit out of me. If I ran into Dr. Fate with full mass Dr. Fate, I'd be like, what? Half mass Dr. Fate. I'm like, are you the guardian? What's happening? Well, who's, who's in there? Because the guardian has that Dr. Fate look. I don't know if you've ever seen the guardian. Right. It's like, don't Dr. Fate light it up. What are we doing over here? So no, I say full mask. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, obviously I thought it was super cool, you know, that obviously there's been female Dr. Fates, which is cool. And it makes perfect sense. It's one of those characters where, you know, people didn't have to get all, and I was going to ask that question. So what did you, are you, were you fine with the fact that Dr. Fate can switch gender? Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. Cause at the end of the day, like we were saying, like with who would I recommend to read Buzzkill? Um, it would be somebody who 
has seen this superhero thing over and over and over again, and it's getting a bit stale. It's like switch it up, like have a female, like there's a female Thor. Do you know what I mean? Like that's different. It's fresh. It's new. You have a Muslim Miss um, Marvel. Um, oh, she's the best too. I love that yeah. comic. That's so good. Exactly. So, <laughs> like, you, you just need you just need to switch it up, like. I would love to see like there'd be like a gay superhero or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and there are, I mean, there are some that K- uh, Batwoman. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, yep. But you're right. Not enough. Yeah, not yeah, enough. Not, yeah, I'm with there's, you. There's, there's, there's just not enough. They're, everybody's pretty much the same. If that makes, it's just like recycled. Enough. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I think the female Dr. Fate, and it makes sense, too, when your power isn't from within, but from without, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like with the Green Lanterns. Of course, there's female Green Lanterns, and there's little, you know, little raccoon Green Lanterns, and there's big monster Green Lanterns, because it's the ring. It's not the person. It's mm-hmm. the ring that gives you the power. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. to say you can only be, you know, and so, like there's anyway. Like, being a, a Spider-Verse as well, there's, um, you know, you have um, right. Spider-Pig, not Spider-Pig. Yeah, Spider-Pig. Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham, that's it, yeah. Spider Ham. Spider Ham, yeah. Spider Pig was in the Simpsons yeah. movie. <laughs> what I think Spider Pig. Spider Pig does whatever a spider pig does. Yeah. Swing. And then he changed his name to Harry Plopper. Yeah, right? Harry Plopper, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good. Anyway, that's a different show for that's a different a time, a Simpsons episode. Anyway, so get on there, vote for Superhero for Dummies. I'm not saying that John Stewart is going to start getting some votes from this guy, but I'm saying John Stewart's probably going to start getting some votes. I don't know how you guys feel if you would do individual Green Lanterns or we just need to do Green Lanterns. Well, so far we've done so there's there's Robin, but there's right. there's, there's multiple Robins. Um, right. And like with our next episode, we're doing Starman. There's not just one Starman. There's multiple. Star- there's a whole load of right. Starman. Um, like. Like you said, Green Lantern, there's a whole load of Green Lanterns. But we always say, like, if there's somebody in particular that you want to know about, then obviously, you know, drop in a request for that person to be discussed. Yeah. And even if we don't do it straight away, we always get get to it. So. Right, yeah. Because I just wanted, because, like, you guys did Cyborg, mm-hmm. um, but you did Doom Patrol separate as a whole group. So it's like Cyborg by himself, but Cyborg is obviously part of multiple teams, and he's on the Doom Patrol show, exactly. of course, but he's not in the comic. But, like, so that's why I didn't know with Green Lanterns if I should just start voting Green Lantern or if I should say, like, specifically, let's do a John Stewart Green Lantern. I think John, I think the big two, John and Hal, could each have their own show, and then yeah. maybe, and maybe Kyle, but, but I think if you did, like, maybe did one show that was like John and Hal together mm-hmm. and then a separate the John and Hal and then and the rest where you did Simon and Jessica who's my favorite yeah. um you know and all the rest of the Green Lanterns Kyle uh but I think John Stewart for until Jessica Cruz was created John Stewart was always my favorite mm-hmm. Green Lantern so I just would love for him to get some love so I'm gonna be bombing the uh, website with some <laughs> Green Lantern love is all I'm saying just so just do what, anyway, do what feels this, right uh, do what feels right do what feels right and Everyone should do that too. So get out there and vote. And you're like, you know what? Who needs an episode? Nightcrawler. You're right. Maybe he does. So you vote for Nightcrawler or Cyclops. Nobody's favorite is Cyclops. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I know one person whose favorite is Cyclops. He was just on the show, Chase. He, uh, he, Cyclops is his favorite. But that was the joke. Nobody's favorite is Cyclops. Ooh. Come on. So, but anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Tricycle Boombox or go to my website, AR Farina, and you should subscribe to Comics in Motion and you should read independent comics and you should just read more. As Josh always says, you should read more comics, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they say at DCN. Read more comics. Read more. So, 
thank you for joining me, my friend. It is a delight to see you, like always. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I hope to be back. And actually, um, I'm looking to get the second arc of uh, The Old God, so I want to come back and discuss that with you. So, For sure. Yeah. Uh, let's do that. Well, we'll make a plan. All right. I will. Thanks, everybody, and I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for joining this quick promo for my friend Gabe Cheng's new Kickstarter for Four Mali Part 4, which is the end of the Four Mali saga. So if you want to know more about the first few parts of Four Mali, I will link in the show notes to when Gabe came on to talk about a different Kickstarter. Um, but this one I don't have in advance, so we're just doing a quick promo so that when you guys all go and support Four Mali, then I get a copy of part four and then Gabe can go back and we can talk about how this whole series ended. Absolutely. And yeah. yeah. So Gabe, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. This is so exciting. Um, so you're doing part four. So as a, I guess, let everybody know, just if they've not heard it before, if they're a new listener, right. they're like, hey, what is it? Who's Gabe? What is this? So just everybody like the 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 idea of what formally is and uh you know you're good you're you're a film guy so i'll get out of your way you you do the elevator pitch yeah it's uh about an antisocial talking dog named molly who lives alone in the new jersey forest and she helps a recently divorced outsider named greg rescue his sister from a hidden evil and as you said it's the it's the fourth and concluding chapter of this story that i've been working on for a long time and i'm i'm just really really proud of of everything that I've done. I work with a great artist whose name is Benjamin Sawyer. It's been a long journey. I probably should have said at the outset that this is my first comic that that I've ever done, you know, I uh and um and I've really learned a lot and and I'm excited to bring it to Kickstarter finally because it's it's um it's really like the culmination of not just all the things that I've learned doing comics. Um, and writing for comics, but it's also just um, a story that I, I'm really, really excited to tell with a, a bunch of really cool artists that I'm very excited to to work with and to bring their their art to people. Yeah, and what's cool about it? What I, I mean, you're right about his art. It's, it's his art. He's great, by the way. And again, you're awesome, Gabe. I know you. I don't know that, <laughs> but you. his art is amazing. I love it's it's awesome, and it's just gotten progressively better. Like every every pa- page and panel that he does, especially recently for chapter four, as we're working on it, I'm like, dude, this is this is my favorite panel of this character that you've ever done. Like this action looks awesome. This environment looks amazing. You know, there's. Uh, these colors are perfect. It's, it's just, it's so great to work with Ben on this. He's so good. And, and when I, and I know, and again, people don't know, but I know. So let's just talk about, you originally had envisioned this as a screenplay that you then turned into a comic. So I'm just curious. And I think people would, would want to know, I think a talking dog on screen in the wrong hands doesn't work. Um, we've all seen that work poorly, but the reason it works is because it's a comic, because you picking up a comic and you're like, oh, I can suspend reality a little bit. And so having the word, having, having Molly be a talking dog in a comic works better. So have you found that, that making the change from this as a screenplay to a comic has given Molly the personality she deserves that maybe in a film she wouldn't have gotten? What, What have you found just in the transition from film script to comic script? That, that has surprised you? I think that, you know, as far as it goes with Molly, like she has remained largely the same between the script formed, like the my original drafts of it and the comic. Um, I think that kind of the, 
the scope of what I, I what I want to do, how I want to tell the story visually has definitely changed where I as I was writing the script, I was visualizing the shots and how they flowed together or how um, how the camera followed or switched back and forth. And and all that kind of goes away with the comic because in a conversation and you have people moving around, you have to be specific about you know, how people are standing in certain panels and you have, and you only have so many panels to do. I mean, I, I wish I was, um, Brian K. Vaughn or, you know, <laughs> or, uh, or Tom King. And I, you're could, like nine panel pages, nine, nine panel pages. Right. And it's yeah. just like, you know, Mr. Miracle looks down, Mr. Miracle looks up, Mr. Miracle looks to the left. And like, that's <laughs> like, I, and I love that style. I wish I could do that, but, but no, I can't. It's, you know, budgetary restrictions. And this is my first comic. Like I said, I'm trying to, yeah. I, I, and and fitting it into that box is um, is so interesting and change the story and change the um, the pacing of it in such interesting ways. It's kind of it, it'd be kind of hard to describe. But I I uh, I used to be a high school teacher and I used to put a lot of restrictions on my students uh, for certain projects. And um, and what I would tell them is I'm building a box around you and challenging you to think outside of it. Because, you know, I'm saying that you can't do X, Y, and Z in this, which means that you have to think beyond your initial thoughts. You have to think beyond, you know, what, um, what your gut instinct is, where if I say, hey, create a, a party flyer in Photoshop, but you can't use the word party, you know, or you can't <laughs> use, genius. or you can't use like um, Comic Sans, or you can't use, you know, not that anybody should ever use Comic Sans, but like, Right. Uh, but you can't take a photo from the internet and put it in. You have to use illustrations or you have to create your own illustrations or take your own photos. Then it's like, oh man, like once I have that restriction, what can I do now to, to make the best product possible? And, and more oftentimes in when I did that for my students and now when I am, am putting my own restrictions on, on my own work and my own comics, um, you get you get better work because of it. You get better work because you have some resistance. Yeah, I know. I think that's really true. And I think people don't realize that. It's like, because it is, we always say as a comic fan, as you are and as I am, it's like the best thing about comics is the budget is unlimited. You're like, I need yeah. I need to create a wormhole. Draw one panel. There's my wormhole. There's no CGI. I yeah. just drawn a wormhole. The end, science-y, hand-wavy. So the budget is unlimited. But like you said, the space is limited. And I think- that is where the better storytelling can come because I almost feel like we've all seen the movie where the budget was too big. One of my all-time favorite movies that everybody hates except for me is the Wachowski Speed Racer. <laughs> I love, like, I unabashedly love Speed Racer. And I even love what they did with um, Jupiter Ascending. But in both okay. cases, they both, the, the Wachowski sisters need someone to say no to them and nobody yeah. is willing to say no to them and in, both, <laughs> and in both of those movies which are incredibly flawed but like have this place in my heart that i just love you can see where like somebody needed to look at this and be like nope you can't yeah. you but because their budget was unlimited they're like yeah you're gonna give us 200 million dollars we're us yeah, it's like all those directors that started off with Harvey Corman, like on these very small budgets, and they had yeah, to like yeah. make these B movies with yeah. like with like um you know stock footage and going out and stealing cameras and 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 doing guerrilla filmmaking, and then they yeah. they make it big, and then like they have nobody to say no to them, and suddenly you get um you know uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from Tim Burton, or, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and with Ron Howard, Ron Howard was a Corman guy, right? Yeah, he exactly. Did, yeah, yeah, and it's like. 
And I loved The Heart and the Sea. I thought that was a really good movie. Like I, I, I did too. I liked the book a lot too. And I liked the movie a lot, but it was like, yeah, that's because you're Ron. You got to make this because you're Ron Howard. Nobody yeah. else would get to make this. And you're right. It, it didn't work as a film because the budget was way too big. Because they're like, we're going to CGI the whales. You're like, but maybe we don't show the whales. Like the reason <laughs> Jaws worked is because we don't yeah. see. They're like, no, no, I've got, you're going to, I'm Ron Howard. You're going to give me all the money. So, <laughs> and they did. And it, and it, it took what could have been, I think, a more amazing movie. Uh, I think it would have been better with less CGI. So I'm with you. It's like, so I think what's cool about comics is your budget is unlimited. Talking dog, we don't have to worry about the Marmaduke situation where we're going to move the dog mouth and make yeah. that look uncomfortable. So you can just see like, eh, talking dog, I, that's cheap to make in a comic. But you also are like, well, I've got to tell a story in 22 pages. So I got to get there. So I think it makes you a better storyteller. Um, you know, I think ultimately we talked off air when when the next Kickstarter comes and hopefully we'll talk about that down the road and you do the collected edition. Have you considered, I'm just teasing this, we didn't <laughs> talk about this off air, putting the original screenplay in the back of that as a, I, as a bonus? Probably not the whole thing, but okay. I had thought about that, like especially if it might be interesting to people to see the side by side comparison of this is what it was in the original um, in my original conception. And then this is what the adaption became, especially because chapter four is actually quite different from what I, I wrote. The, the main, um, let's say set pieces are still there. The main elements are still there. Um, the, the things that happen to the characters pretty much still happen, but they changed a lot from how I originally wrote it. Yeah, and well I think that that, that change might be interesting for some people to see because I, I, and honestly, I don't know if it would have worked better in a, I've never made a movie. I'm not a professional screenwriter. So I don't know if th that original ending would have worked better in a movie and just didn't work for comics. I just rewrote it because I thought it would just be, you know, better full stop. Um, but I think that some of those changes, some of those comparisons and some of those similarities, because like I'm saying, like Molly didn't change that much. Her, her dialogue in the original script is pretty much what comes up in for Molly. Like there's some things I took out because those conversations weren't important to where I, I took them out for time, but seeing what changed and what didn't change that, that that's not a, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I'll, yeah. <laughs> maybe well, I'll do I mean, that. And you just do it as like the extra, right. You know how, like yeah. you, as, and we'll get to that next, like in Kickstarters, it's like, Hey, if you just want the PDF, it's 10 bucks, but if you want this, it's this. And if you want the script, Hey, and you're willing to pay 50 bucks, I'll send you the script. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. I, just, I'm just telling you right now, you'll have one person plunk down that 50 bucks. <laughs> it's me. Um, I would love it. I would love to see it because I just, I, I like it as a, as a book nerd. I always love adaptations. It's one of the things. We actually just read The Good Lord Bird and then watched the miniseries. And it was like, the problem with it wasn't, Ethan Hawke was amazing. It was like his finest performance ever. But it was like, so exactly like the book. You're like, why'd you make this? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like an adaptation, the reason we all like Zack Snyder, people shit on Watchmen is because it's exact until the squid thing at the end, it is yeah. exactly the comic book. And yeah. you're like, and for whatever reason, people are like, we want the movie to be just like the book. But then when someone gives you that, you hate it too. Yeah. And it's that realization that an adaptation has to adapt. It has to change. You can't just put it all up there. So I would be fascinating to see what you originally thought. And as we were talking off air, you know, we all grow as writers and it's been four years since you've been working on this and longer still since you originally invented Molly. So it'd be great to see who she was and who Greg was six years ago when you wrote this original screenplay and who he is now. Um, yeah, I just think that would be a cool way for us as other artists and other 
fans to, to see a process without you having to like give a masterclass on it. Although I'm sure you'd be like, yes, hire me masterclass. Game <laughs> Chang's masterclass, I will do that for whatever you're charging. Certainly, um, extremely popular too. Right. Hey, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to outsell the Neil Gaiman one. The Neil Gaiman one, Neil Gaiman, we've got Game Chang here. Um, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like I would be fascinated just as a person who respects the work that you do and who wants to learn from fellow artists. So I, you know, I'm just, I'll put that in your ear for next time. So um, but let's do that. Tell everybody. So obviously the Kickstarter is going to run from July 14th to August 6th, and it's going to be for issue four. And so yes. if you don't have, so is, I'm assuming one of the goals, one of the things people will pay for, if they're hearing this, they're like, wait, I don't have issues one through three. Will yeah. one of the tiers be that they'll get that? Absolutely. Um, the lower tiers, you can get all four of them digitally and then number four on print. Um, and then some of the some of the mid tiers are all for um, all four in the um, floppy version. So like like we were talking about, I haven't done the trade yet, but there that is available in the uh, in the campaign. Nice. That's amazing. OK. And so now because you've done how is it going to work? Like I'll put a link in the show notes. But for those audio learners like me, because you've done a few Kickstarters, is it when they search if they're not if they're not clicking on the show notes because they're driving right now and they're like, <laughs> I want to remember this for later. Um, do they just go to Kickstarter if they get Kickstarter Gabe Chang or do they do formally number four? What's the keyword that they need to look for? I think the best thing to do is probably to search um, formally. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I imagine that if you search my name, it might come up, but for sure, if you search formally, it'll come up. Okay, excellent. And so what are the cool, so we know we can get all of the additions. So if you've not read one formally, first of all, what is wrong with you? You should go back and listen to us. Gabe and I talked last year about this is such a cool, and I know you're like hey, talking dogs. I, again, it's not Marmaduke, everybody. It's really, <laughs> I, you know, it's always a risk, right? People like talking dogs are like, yeah, it's so smart. It's so good. It's so loving and touching. And I, of course, wrote something in there. I fan fiction a whole environmental story that wasn't there. And I appreciate <laughs> that you were like, I didn't write that, but I, you were glad I saw it. So I, I that's the beauty of art, right? You see what you want to yeah. see. Um, and I wanted that. That's what I wanted. A land, a, 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 an environmental standoff in New Jersey. Cause sure. That's what's happening there. Um, but so, so what if they can get the one through four digitally, they can get the floppies. What other, the other cool things you can assign some stuff. Are there going to be some like, cause, cause with your last one, you had some other cool extras. That people yeah. Get. What are some of the cool extras they can get for this? Um, there is some art uh, that's going to be coming out in stickers and postcards and it's from the uh from ben and also from my sister izzy who's an incredible artist she um, does the covers right no no she, she does the covers of the other one she did the covers of the other one she's yeah, she's not yeah. doing a cover for this one because for this one i have ben's cover which is amazing um which uh, people can go out and see on either my uh, my social media or on the Kickstarter. But I also am very, very excited because I have two variant cover artists that are doing variant covers. Um, one of them is named Kathleen uh, Abalos. Um, she's an artist in Southern California. Um, she did a really beautiful, like painterly um, uh, variant cover that I'm very, very excited about. But the, the second variant cover is done by uh, Emma Kubert who I'm oh. very, very excited to have on board, who did like nice. a, a totally cool, very dynamic variant cover um, for chapter four that I'm, I'm extremely excited about. So you can get that variant cover on one of the floppies um, as part of the campaign. I'm uh, The stretch goals are going to be postcards of those variant covers. So you can have, you know, small prints All of, of those um, and they are going to be included as part of um, any, anybody that buys a physical copy will get, you know, um, 
the, the those postcards when we hit those stretch goals. Nice. Um, Very two cool. other two other really cool rewards are um, things I've done in the past, or one thing I've done in the past, which is Ben, who's the main artist for the for the book, will do a custom pet portrait, so you can get your pet. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Done by uh, illustrated by Ben Sawyer, and this is something cool and new that I've learned about from some of my other writer friends who've done Kickstarters. I'm doing uh, a custom variant cover. Okay, oh. so if you if you get this tier, Elisa Menegel, who is the artist for my other comics, Into the Wilderness, Love at First Bite, and then my next one coming up will do a custom variant cover of whoever backs. So what? you or or somebody that you select can be on a cover of Four Molly. So she will do a completely new cover. There isn't a design on the Kickstarter yet because we haven't come up with it yet. Um, but you will be on the cover with Greg and Molly. And then I will get that copy of the comic printed and sent to you. And you will have a variant cover with yourself on it. Whoa. of Four Molly number four. Dude, that's... That's amazing. People, yeah. that's, that's, people want that. Click on that. Cause who doesn't want that? Like, uh, I backed a Kickstarter once where the guy was like, Hey, if you hit this level, I'll put a care, I'll put you in the comic. And in his comic, the main character has autism. Yeah. And so I did that one and then gave it to my boss whose son has autism. So now her oh, son wow. is in the comic. Like he'll be in issue three. It's not made yet, but he, she sent me, I got the, the design of it. And like, she cried. It was great. It was like, so That's cool. Really yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so like the idea of like, we all, we comic nerds, we get that. Like um, my group, my comics in motion group, we had um, Sam Lotfi, the cover artist for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. He, did yeah, yeah. he did a group shot of us all as our favorite superheroes. He called it the Justice Avengers. And so we <laughs> all have, like, I actually have the original and your camera's not on, but mine is not. There it is. Oh, wow. That's is incredible. Me, me as Robin, but done by <laughs> Sam Lodfi. And it's like, you know, we all love shit like that. Like we, like professional comic book artists drawing pictures of us. Like that's like a dream. Like, yeah. even though it's just the one. So that is so cool. Everybody, yeah, and Alisa is is just an incredible, incredible artist. I mean, that, I, I love it first bite is so good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, brilliant. Love yeah. at First Bite and Into the Wilderness are the ones that are out there that I've done, but I'm working on with her, working with her on my next one. And Oh my God, is she nailing it? Like I, 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 I wish I could tell you more about it. It's, it's, it's a little bit too far in the future, and I will sure. come back on the podcast and talk about of it. Of course, one hundred percent, anytime. But yeah, but anybody that gets this custom variant cover for Four Molly will not be disappointed by Elisa's work. She is fantastic, dude. That's so cool. That's amazing. Well, so everybody's going to do that. So let us tell, say this stuff out loud one last time, how they follow you on Instagram and Twitter and how they get to the Kickstarter. And then I'll link to it as well. And then when, the other cool thing, everybody, if you love hearing Gabe's voice, which why wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> you will then this later this summer, when this is all done, when I get four Molly four in my hand, so I yes. know what happened, he's going to come on so we can actually do the in-depth talk. Because I don't know yes. what happens yet. So I can't, I didn't want to... I didn't want to do a full episode with you, Gabe, until I knew. So I appreciate you being willing to come on twice because I don't, I want to know. I want to know. I've got questions what I think is going to happen. So it'll be cool for me to like, because you know me, I'll be honest and say I totally guessed wrong. So <laughs> it'll be cool when I get issue four and be like, ah, you totally screwed me. I totally, you died. I, I missed, I was wrong. So I'm excited to do that. So that'll be later this summer. So everybody will get that. So until they get to hear your dulcet tones, tell them about your podcast where they can hear you and your other things. Uh, right now, please. Sir. Yeah, my uh, my podcast is called Another Lousy Millennium, and it is a Futurama fan podcast. My brother and I summarize, analyze, and quote every episode of Futurama. We actually 
finished the whole run of the series. So we um, have done, we have analyzed every single episode. Um, we've done a podcast for it. We've done uh, episodes where we talk about our favorite episodes and least favorite episodes of the season. And now we are closing things out. We're in our victory lap um, where we are talking about some fun subjects like um, our favorite protagonists, or sorry, our favorite antagonists, um, our favorite characters that only appeared once. Um, we did the Simpsons Futurama crossover in a couple of episodes like that, but that's called Another Lousy Millennium. You can uh, download that wherever uh, you download fine podcasts. And um, and yeah, so you can find For Molly on Kickstarter, like uh, like Tony said, uh, just going to Kickstarter, searching For Molly or searching Gabe Chang, but I'm sure it'll come up if you search For Molly. Uh, I am at GabeChangComics.com um, and on social media, I am at Gabe Chang Comics on Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, it's for Molly Comic. Dude, that's awesome. So all those links will be in there. Uh, so thank you for coming back. I can't wait to talk to you in a few months when I get this in my hot hand. So this is going to run from July into August. So we will probably see print copies of this fall is when we feel like yes. we get these. Okay, yes. so this fall, everybody, sometime in September, October, Gabe will be back on. We'll talk about Formality, but I'm sure by then we'll know about the other secret projects. So we'll talk about that too. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping to do that in the fall as well. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on and um, everybody go click. I'm going to be there. I know your brother's always your first supporter, so I'm sure I won't be him, <laughs> but I'm marking my calendar July 14th. I want to try to get on there and support it on the first day because you always get extra cool shit when you support on the first day too. So I'm going to get on the first day. I'm going to get there. You guys are all going to get there. And uh, thanks, Gabe. Thank you. All right, man.